It's time for the Car Doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor Program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston, or maybe you're listening on 100.3 FM. Either way, you can uh, call in and check with us and see what's going on. Uh, yeah, if you're saying, uh, he doesn't sound like he's in the studio, you're right. I'm not in the studio today. It is the the typical weekend that I'm uh, away from the studio which means that I end up not going to the uh, Bay State Antique Auto Club Auto Show, which is uh, July 14th, yep, just tomorrow. And uh, it takes place at the Endicott Estate. Always a good show. Uh, always worth uh, checking out. If you want to find out information, go to their website, bsaac.com. Uh, remember, there's no parking in the local neighborhood. There is parking right down the street. It's maybe half a mile away. Uh, oh, look at that. Hey, with us on the phone right now, speak of the devil, is John Diamond. It sure is. <laughs> uh, well, your your show uh, uh, looks like looks like clockwork. Uh, looks like great weather coming. And, uh, and, you know, save a spot for Dennis this time. Well, what I did was I put the order in early for the weather so we wouldn't get rained out. Well, so good. I know how you hate to sit there in the rain. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hate I hate sitting in my car because <laughs> you know I I could I could melt or something. But uh, but yeah, this is what year what year is this? What year? How many years has this show been going on? This is the fortieth show. Fortieth show. Yeah. Have you been, have you been there right since the beginning? I certainly have. <laughs> But I, the funny part of it is I'm not there today. I'm a little under the weather. Oh. Calling from home. Oh, okay. But okay. I still know most of the details. <laughs> All right. And uh, and uh, this is the day where you guys usually are over there. You're, you're putting the signs up and putting the, li- putting the lime down on the grass so people know where to park and uh, get the uh, get the car corral all set up it's all all the uh, all the work nobody ever sees happens today right well yes we have a big crew there today uh, under immediate punishment as they don't show up so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be done by two or three o'clock and it'll be ready to go it'll be ready to go and uh uh, give us a, give us an idea again, uh, time-wise, when the show starts, when the show okay. finishes. It, it, it starts at 7 o'clock in the morning. People start lining up, and as soon as we have parkers there, we shoot people off to the spot they should be in. Yep. And it takes place at the Endicott Estate, 656 East Street in Dedham. That's exit 14 on 128. And uh, you guys do a pretty good job of putting signs up. Just follow the signs that say car yes. show, right? Yep. Very easy. It's just a mile from 128. Yep. And there's no parking in the local neighborhood, but there is parking right down the street, big parking lot right down the street. Yes, we have free uh, shuttle bus parking starting at 8 o'clock. It's actually just a five-minute walk, but for those handicapped or lazy, we have the free buses. There you, there you go. And uh, a lot of people... 
uh, go to look at all the cars, but a lot of people also consider going to go buy cars. And you have you have a big car corral usually set up with a bunch of cars for sale too, right? We have a car corral that usually averages about two hundred cars. We have a big flea market. We have a food court and uh, a fifty-fifty raffle and live entertainment from Bruce Palmer. So uh, it's a day to uh, have a good time and stay for a while. It, it really is. And the and the uh, I I know. Uh, uh, old friend of mine, he uh, he brought his. He had a he had a might have been like a Chrysler Cordoba, one of, one of those cars that either you loved him or hated him back then. And he brought that to the car corral, and he sat he sat there with it and sold it that day. He had he had good luck with it, and uh, both parties felt they got a good deal on it when it sold. And uh, somebody I, I grew up with years ago was a bicycle collector, and he walked around the flea market area, and he found all kinds of little little doodads for bicycles reflectors and pedals and fenders and came away with all kinds of stuff at, at the uh, flea markets so there is really a little bit of something for everybody yeah there is and actually the flea market has almost doubled this year because more and more people are coming to vend and buy just as you said yeah and uh so as i say you go home you'll go home pretty tired if you stay there for the day stay there for the day but you also if you do stay there for the day you have you guys have food and you aren't taking advantage of people these aren't ten dollar bottles of water there you guys take good care of the people that come in and we monitor the food pretty well so that nobody gets uh cheated yeah. and we have 31 classes of cars with three awards in each class so if you have a decent car you've got a uh, a good chance of winning something and I notice you have, you know, the categories really, they've changed a little bit over the years, but still you have the, the Brass Era cars, the Model A's, uh, the Woodies. Uh, you have, uh, you have uh, two different categories of, um, of uh, Thunderbirds, I think. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a reflection of what the market is. Some people say we have too much of this and not enough of that. Well, you bring your car and we'll bring it up in the class number. It's a reflection of an awful lot of street rods and uh, custom cars, and that seems to be the uh, chosen category now. Yeah, no, it's it it is. And uh, what's I mean, you're 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 an old car guy. What's your opinion on resto mods? Uh, I'm not <laughs> liberal about that. I I don't mind them uh, as long as they're not, not too badly butchered up. Yeah, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, I I know that it seems it seems like now you know from uh you know every once in a while I'll turn on the TV and I'll see one of those auction channels and it seems like where fifteen or twenty years ago an old car with a new drivetrain was just something nobody thought much about but now it seems like those cars are those cars are generating big money. Yeah, they are, and there's an awful big supply of them too. And yeah. I guess the money must be there because they all to sell well yeah i guess uh, tv tv will do that to you sometimes it <laughs> makes it look yeah. like everything's a good deal so um yeah that that's for sure but it is uh, it is it is really car show season uh, there's a lot of good car shows and this one i mean this is like you said 40th year it's been around for a long time and i still and i'll and i'll say it till my last breath if you're considering at some point 
getting into the old car hobby, there's no better way to than to go to a car show and learn from other people that have cars that you like. Lots of information available for free. And uh, people are very proud of their cars. And they're glad to talk to you about them. Yeah, and I think that, you know, if you're if you're out there and you want to buy a you know, if you want to buy anything from a Corvair to a Model A and you go you go to the show and you say, "Hey, look, you know, there's um there's there's a there's a, a Corvair that I'm interested in this year or this year and somebody can say to you, "Oh, don't buy that because uh uh, you got to watch out for the I don't know something the floor rots out of it or you there's a there's a woody and you know I really like this model model woody and people go yeah you know but it, that's a car either you have to like to you like it because you like it or else it's uh, it's a car that's going to be uh, it's maybe going to lose lose money because you're going to put so much money into it but that's kind of the rule with old cars though you you never you never really buy an old car with the idea of trying to make money on it do you. Uh, no, an <laughs> no, old car is like the definition of a boat. You know, it, it's a hole in the uh, water to which you throw money in. Yeah. And that's the truth about an old car, and you've got to really look it over carefully. You yeah. know, what's the so, buyer beware. So, it, so it's uh, the same, same idea with a boat, the two best, uh, two best days of an old car, uh, you know, the day you bought it and the day you sold it? You always have the right expressions. You've been around long enough to know them all. Well, something like that. So again, the show the show is going to take place. Uh, it, it starts tomorrow. Uh, cars start to line up around seven. Um, breakfast uh, starts at six, according to the yeah. brochure here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And breakfast breakfast is real breakfast. Look at that: coffee, tea, bacon, ham, sausage, breakfast sandwiches, lunch. Uh, even a little bit of barbecue for lunch, pulled pork and uh, and freshly squeezed lemonade and ice cream and all kinds of stuff. So well, uh, when you show up, do this on me. Oh, uh, there, there you go, there you go. Uh, well, if I don't show up, maybe maybe we can get Dennis to show up. How's that? Sure. There you go. Just have him come looking for me, and I'll be glad to take care of him. Uh, all right. All right, John. Always a pleasure talking to you. Uh, you know, when when it comes to old cars, we know we know you're you're the guy who knows a lot about them. So, uh, and this show is again is a great show. Uh, it's something if you have if you have uh, tomorrow off and you're not doing anything, uh, these these are some great great cars to look at. And the other the other weird thing, and and you know, I've always I. You know, I, I'll admit it to just—it's just you and me talking. I've only been to your—I've only been to your show probably half a dozen times, um, over over the over the past—I don't know—probably thirty years. I've probably gone half a dozen times. The other thing I notice is sometimes in the parking lot down the street, there's some pretty nice cars that show up too. It's almost the show by itself. Yeah, you know, some people come and they're like, you know, it's a it's a Sunday. They want to take their they want to take their old car or special car out for a ride, and they're like, well, let's go to the car show, and and it's uh, they go to the car show and they bring their car, and you walk around the parking lot over there, and I I remember seeing uh, a couple of pretty special cars. The one thing we didn't say is how much does it cost to get in? Oh, it's fifteen dollars to get in for a car full. Yep. And uh, if you pre-register, which is the smartest thing to do, uh, excuse me, it's $20 to get in, but if you yep. pre-register, it's $15, yep. and you get a pretty straight line in without having to wait in too much of a line. Yep. 
And if I want, and if I if I don't bring a car and I just want to walk in, how much is it to get? It's, get, it's five dollars just to walk in. It's probably a real bargain. And that five dollar donation, what happens to the money? Uh, we give a good percentage of it to the estate to keep it going in different charities. Yeah. And of course, we have to cover our expenses. Yep. Which yep. are huge. Yeah, I, I I can imagine, but you know, I've been I've been to the Endicott Estate a couple times for the Dedham Retired Men's Club, and every yeah. time I go every time I go to the Endicott Estate, there's a, a little bit more work being done to it, and I always kind of think to myself that you know part of this is because uh, you guys uh, donate some of that money back to the to the estate to make it look a little bit better every year. Well, you have to because it's a good location. It certainly is. It has it has everything. It has everything you want, and it, it and for people who don't get to Dedham very often or don't know about that, the Endicott Estate's kind of this best kept secret over there. A lot of people don't realize it's there, and uh, you know, go go see the cars, but you know, try, you know, go sit up on the porch and have and have a glass of lemonade and look down over where all the cars are parked. It's a it's a it's a pretty nice experience. I think you're doing very well for promoting us, and I appreciate it. <laughs> sure thing, John. You take care of yourself, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. Nice All talking right. with you, John. All right, Bye -bye. take care. Bye-bye. That's our buddy John Diamond from the Bay State Antique Auto Club. Again, you can find out more information. It is it is car season time. Uh, there There is... Uh, there is a lot of different car shows that are going on right now, whether it's uh, the Bay State Show, which is always a good show. In uh, a, a week or two, I think the Misslewood Concours uh, show is coming up. That is uh, up, on the, up on the North Shore. And um, that's, a, that's a show that uh, I actually corresponded with somebody during the week and just said... Uh, you know, hey, you know, why don't you give us a call on the on the show? And uh, and uh, I never, I heard, I heard back from. Them. They said they were going to do it, and then I never heard back anymore. But I've been up to that show, I think, just once, and that show was kind of interesting because there's a lot of Paul Russell cars up there. But there, that show is uh, again one of those shows that's a little a little bit different. I, um. I don't, know, I don't know quite how to describe it, but it's going to be taking place July 19th through the 21st, and it's going to be featuring Italian classics and uh, Paul Russell and companies, uh, some of their cars and motorcycles. And that's uh, going to be, uh, again, that's up in Boston's North Shore at the, they call it the Misslewood Concours. It's become, in their words, a premier event in New England and considered one of the most uh, scenic concourse shows in the country. I know it was going to, at one point, they were going to try to have it be sort of the uh, kind of Pebble Beach of the North Shore, and I mean Pebble Beach of the East Coast. And I don't know if that ever really happened. But it's at Endicott College. It's uh, at the Misslewood Estate. And it's a it's a nice piece of property up there. And again, that's that's going to be an interesting show. Uh, a little bit fancier cars. They have things like a '61 Ferrari 250 GT, the short wheelbase car, which is a which is a really pretty car, and a lot of interesting things up there. Um, worth worth going to as well. Uh, you can check it out. It's uh, Misslewood.com is is the number. But I kind of like the Bay State show because it is. I think it has the a really incredible variety of cars, everything from kit cars to Corvairs to Model Ts to Model As. And again, if you're trying to learn about the old car hobby, no better way to do that than go to a car show and check it out. 
Um, according to Haggerty Insurance Company, they say there are some cars that might be worth snapping up before they go out of sight uh, price-wise. Uh, according to the article here, it says, Summer is upon us, which means driving season is in full swing. And if you're finally ready to slap some cash down on the table for that long-desired ride, uh, it stings to learn prices have inched up while you've been taking your time. Wouldn't it be nicer to get on the ground floor? Drive your classic car as you please and then have a small peace of mind that is slowly creeping up in value. And again, like uh, John said, and John Diamond's an expert in this in this area. He's had a lot of cars over his time. And just to be involved with the Bay State show, um, he knows he knows a lot. But like he said, the you know, it's uh, the definition of a boat is break out another thousand. Sometimes that's kind of the definition of owning an old car, too. Um, it, it says here, we don't have a crystal crystal ball but of course we do have a trove of data that helps us uh, paint pictures of what are the best position to grow in value in the future using insurance data quotes and frequency certain vehicles are being added to policies auction activities and so forth Hemmings Motor News used to do this and uh, uh, kind of the longtime guy who was always up at Hemmings uh, Dave Brunel I think the first program one of the first programs I ever did on this station, I think I had Dave Brunell on, and that's how long ago that was. And uh, he, he, a guy who knew more about old cars than almost anybody. But one of the old cars they say might be a good pick. I was a little surprised about this. is the 2008 to 2009 Pontiac G8. Uh, that's the V8 engine car. That's the, that's the car that... Um, is Australian. It's an Australian muscle car. And according to the article here, it says we've talked about this car before, but given what happened to the 2005 to 2006 GTOs previously, it's natural for the G8 to follow. Quoting activity is 100, which means it leads the entire market in the metric, and insurance activity is quite high, which means people are buying them. The hottest model is the GT SLP Firehawk. And Pontiacs always had weird titles for their cars, but uh, both rare, uh, they've gone up in value and collectivity in the past three years. Uh, no matter which one is your favorite, the V8-powered rear-wheel drive Australian muscle car, you can't go wrong. I think you can always go wrong, but maybe you go less wrong. Uh, if you have a lot of money, 99 to 2005 Ferrari 360. Ferraris in general didn't make much of a showing in their last pricing update, uh, but the 360s were flat. Uh, and have given uh, what happened to the 355 before them no big growth to this point. But values have bottomed out. So I guess if you're thinking about buying a Ferrari, you can do it in the $50,000 range if you have a lot of money. 91 to 98 Mercedes-Benz. The little Mercedes-Benz W100. Uh, so models include the uh, 300SD, 300SE, 400SE. And so they just kind of go up and up and up. Uh, apparently, according to this, you can buy one decent value for about $7,800. Uh, relatively, we're getting a big volume of insurance quotes, uh, quotes putting it ahead of almost everything else in the market. Um, two, 97 and 2004 Porsche Boxster. Boxsters are showing up in collector car auctions more and more, which is a good sign they're making a transition from used car to collector car. At a median condition, three, it's, uh, it has a value of about ten five. Uh, they're one of the cheapest things with a Porsche badge from any era, but unlike other cheaper Porsches like the 924 and the 914, boxes have modern performance and convenience. They're also easier to service. Even though you can't see the engine, 
they're actually a little bit easier to work on than some of the others. Insurance quoting activity, they say, is quite high. They're saying that it, it looks like there's places for it to grow. Uh, 9905 Porsche 911, uh, like the Boxer, the 996 generation 911 has started showing up at collector car auctions. Uh, more often, a phenomenal sign that signals a change in the overall market. Um, a guy I work with bought a used uh, 911 in that era, uh, bought a $22,000 car, only has 20,000 miles on it. Somebody else I work with bought a used Boxster with only about 20,000 miles on it. I think they only paid about $12,000 for it. So at the higher end of what they were saying, but the car is super low mileage. Um, so there are some good there are some good values. The Boxster, uh, one of the negatives is it was an automatic, which lowered its value. Uh, this guy happens to like it because it's an automatic. So I guess it depends what you like. But there are some choices out there. You can go out and you can, uh, you know, spend anywhere from... 20,000 to 40,000 depends on what you want. Uh, more something that seems a, a little more interesting to me is a 93 to 95 Ford SVT Lightning. Well, the Lightning was sort of Ford's hot rod truck back in that era. It was a, uh, it has a 351 cubic inch uh, Windsor engine in it. Uh, the Lightning, they say you can buy for Oh, in the seventeen to twenty thousand dollar range, so kind of not outrageous. So if you want something that's a little bit collectible, but still, you need a pickup truck because you need a pickup truck to, you know, make the trips to the home improvement store and do some things around the house. You can do that without beating up the truck too badly. So one of the other things, and it's a better value than say, if you're looking at uh, Chevrolet, you know, C, uh, the half ton. Chevrolet pickup with the 454 in it, which is which is a great truck, but you're going to spend twenty five thousand. Or if you found an old GMC Cyclone, you're going to spend closer to thirty five thousand. Uh, you, you're going to spend well less than something like a Raptor, but the Lightning is a pretty good value, so worth looking at. Uh, one of the other odd ones in here, which I think is kind of interesting, at 04, 04 Mercury Marauder. Um, Mercury Marauder is a Mercury Grand Marquis. It is basically the Mercury version of a police interceptor. Uh, so V8 engine. A lot of people love these cars. Values have been creeping up over the past few years, and uh, since then they've been they've been going up in value a little bit more, a little bit more. So if you still like the the big V8 ride of a uh, of something like a Grand Marquis or a Crown Victoria, and you want something that's a little bit unique, the Marauder might be something you're interested in. And they round it out with the small Mercedes, the Mercedes-Benz 190, uh, 84 to 93, it says, excluding the 2.3-liter 16-valve cars, which are a different ballpark of value, of uh, performance and collectability. You can buy a 190 for about 5600 bucks. Um, it's uh, doesn't mean it's not a Mercedes through and through, it says here, from... Uh, back when Mercedes still built cars to be bulletproof and still makes a bit of a classier statement than some of the other vehicles in that category. So, you know, some things to look at in that category and, and worth, and, you know, if you are considering a collector car, it is always worth looking. Again, go to a show, go to a show like the Bay State Antique Auto Club and go talk to, go talk to the people at the show and see what they bought 
Uh, you may find that they know where there's a good deal on something, but if you're considering you, you know, Corvettes, they have a whole category of 53 to 62, 63 to 67, 68 to 82. And if you're thinking about buying a Corvette, maybe they can tell you, hey, if you want ride and comfort, you're looking at this. If you want dependability, you're looking at that. If you're looking at uh, a hot rod, they have a whole category of street rods and pro street machines and all kinds of interesting stuff. The pro street machines usually show up on a trailer, but um, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff to look at. And again, going to those shows, you can you can find out some of that. I got a tool in the mail the other day. And it is from the Works Company, W-O-R-X, and they are you've seen you've seen the commercials. They make everything from leaf blowers to uh, hedge trimmers to all kinds of different things. I have a Works floodlight that I've used a couple of times out at night. It uses a 20 volt battery. They all they they have this system they call the uh, Max Lithium. Uh, share system where you can share a battery back and forth uh, like many of the rechargeable tool companies do where they have different different tools for that kind of make life easier because they all use the same battery but this one is a little cutter so like a lot of people use a, uh, a four inch uh, angle grinder to cut sheet metal and metal and things like this this is a little tiny one this is a little three inch mini cutter uh, it uses the the 20 volt battery. Uh, it's uh, it, when you first turn it on, it sounds a little disappointing. It doesn't seem like it has it has uh, a lot of power to it. But then, if you go to use it, uh, for instance, I was putting something something together, and there was some nails in it. And rather than try to pull the nails out and ruin what I was doing, I just used this tool to to uh, grind the nails down snapped them right off with no problem it worked it worked really good for that uh, I had to cut a piece of tubing uh, it worked really good for that it's a little one hand button operation pretty lightweight uh, it's uh, you know made out of plastic but it's made out of a pretty pretty uh, durable kind of plastic like a lot of things are I'm thinking you can drop it more than a few times and it's going to going to hold up pretty well it's got a three-year warranty a 30-day guarantee uh, you can also cut um, thin concrete and plastic and tile with it so I know one time I was doing some work around the house and I needed to cut I was replacing a broken tile and I needed to cut an angle to go around the door frame and I bought a little hand tile saw. It kind of looked like a sort of like a hacksaw with a round blade in it, and the thing barely would cut through the tile. I ended up actually taking the piece of tile that I wanted to cut. I brought it to Home Depot and asked them if they could cut the corner off that I wanted to do. And of course, they're like, "Oh, we can only do straight cuts." And I'm like, "Well, it's just two straight cuts. They're in different directions." And I finally got the guy to cut it and made it work. But this comes with a tile blade too, and it looks like I know I had a piece of tile kicking around the house, and I tried cutting it. And it just a pretty handy little tool. Again, it's not as powerful as some of the electric angle grinders. It's not really made for that, but it's really made to be a little lightweight tool to cut metal, tile, thin concrete. If you got to zip through 
some sheet metal if you're cutting out a piece of metal on a fender or something you want to do a repair this looks like this would be a nice little tool to do that uh, and because it doesn't have an air hose going to it or a power cord going to it makes it easy and if you're in a little awkward situation where you're doing some work and you can drag this with you without having to worry about a cord or a hose or something going to it that makes life a little bit easier and again it uses the same uh, 20 volt lithium ion battery that they use in a variety of other tools so it's it's a it's a nice little tool to be able to do a variety of jobs and I was looking at some of the reviews of it because I always kind of wonder what other people think at the same time and uh, the reviews are generally very good. There was one person who gave it a poor review because they tried to cut wood with it. Well, it's not made to cut wood. Um, it doesn't have. It has. It has metal cutting blades, so it's made to cut metal and plastic and things like that. Um, so, but I think if you're cutting cutting tin, something like that, again, really good. If you're cutting tile, I think it works really nice. Uh, uh, if you're cutting something like maybe heavy galvanized pipe let the job do let the tool do its job don't try to rush it but um, if you're just especially if you're trying to clean up grout if you're trying to regrout something oh this is this looks like it'd be a great little tool for that again it's called it's it's by works and again you've seen all their commercials on TV and you know what they are they have leaf blowers and trimmers and edgers and all kinds of things but it's WORX and it's called the uh, mini cutter and it uses a little three inch wheel and you can buy the little three-inch wheels everywhere. You don't have to buy them from them, and it and it's uh, retails for about eighty bucks. So if you're interested in something like that, take a look and see what it's like. And we were talking about car shows, and uh, when we come back, there's a there's a pretty interesting show that takes place at uh, Hebert's Candy Mansion coming up in a bit, and I have a whole story to go along with that one. So. Uh, We'll talk about that when we get back. Our phone lines are open at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. We'll take a little break. When we come back, uh, talk a little bit about the uh, show going on at the Hebert's Candy Mansion. We'll be right back. back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Maybe you're listening on 100.3 FM, 950 AM, or maybe you're listening to WROLradio.com, or maybe you said, hey Alexa, tune in to AM 950 WROL, and you can hear us there too, and any of those other smart speaker things, so you can find us there as well. Uh, I know uh, my wife listens, we have, uh, we won a uh, smart speaker at a party. And one of those little, like, just twenty dollar, I don't know, twenty or thirty dollar little thing, and uh, have it actually hooked up to our stereo, and so it sounds nice. It's, it sounds much better, and you just ask it for all kinds of things, and I know it's listening to us all the time, because that's what they do. They're, all the time. All the time, exactly. Um, 
Speaking of somebody who listens to us almost all the time, let's talk to Robert from Tingsboro. Robert, good morning. Good morning. How you doing, John? Good. How are you? Uh, not too bad. It's been a couple of weeks. I've been uh, been having it around, so I haven't withdrawal. Ah, uh, there you go. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were talking. Yeah, you were talking about uh, you know classic and customs. Uh, a few weeks ago, my son-in-law and I we went to that Barrett Jackson show again. Oh, okay. Did you yeah. spend any money? Uh, no, not really. Uh, no, just a ticket. Yeah, no. no. I, I mean, there were some actually some bargains. Uh, strangely enough, in the card, you know, the ones going across the block. But there wasn't quite as many cars this year as last. You know, they had uh, usually had six floors that were full. This year they yep. had four and half of five. But uh, yeah, there was still a lot of some bargains if you were looking for something that you might have to work on. Yeah, and they claim they. Uh, what I saw was they claimed that even though there was a little less cars. They generated more money, so yeah. you know. I guess I guess the high end ones went for big money. Yeah, for sure they always do. And uh, yep. plus, you know, I had told my son-in-law when we were getting in there, I said, "This year we're going on the Hellcat ride, not the Mustang." Yeah. <laughs> so so we went on the uh, you know they, they have the Charger and the Challenger, and the, the line for the Charger was shorter because it could take two or three yep. people for yep. single. But that's a, that's awesome. I mean, it's almost worth paying for that like an amusement park for adults <laughs> well and, and uh and then they they have the uh the hellcat red eye which they bumped up yeah. the horsepower a little bit more so um yeah. that's what they use the red eye oh, oh yeah, yeah so those so, tires never stop spinning <laughs> oh i bet i bet so and you know and now you know now though uh ford says well we're going to come up with a mustang that's going to do just about as good so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see what what they come up with but yeah there's uh there's uh, going to be a big yeah, 760 horsepower Shelby uh, yep. GT500, and that's yeah, you know, still the you know that's going to start at seventy three thousand dollars. So yeah, I know the the Hellcats are very little. You know, if you go with the non red eye, they're a little bit less expensive. Yeah, and some yeah. some dealers are actually uh, discounting. But uh, yeah, the horsepower wars just never stop. They they don't, and that and that's kind of the funny thing. It's like just when you think. The world is getting green, and everything's going to be electric. Yeah. Uh, there's still horsepower wars, but then you hear about well, Chevy's going to discontinue the Camaro, and then they go, well, we are going to discontinue the Camaro, but it may come back as a hot rod electric car, and uh, some of these electric cars, some of these electric cars are ridiculously fast. Yeah, the torque is is you know phenomenal, but yeah, it's, instantaneous. It's no sound, yeah, well. You can't yeah. have sound effects or something, you know. Well, uh, well, it's 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 funny. BMW got caught doing that a few years ago with the M5. Um, a lot of the sound came out of the speakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just you know, I'm old-fashioned, you know, in my 70s, right. American V8s, you know. Well, well, it, it's it's funny. Uh, there was a garage near me, and they had a. Uh, they had an advertisement up for cherry bomb cherry bomb mufflers, and it said uh, it said something like uh, you know breaking you know breaking uh, sound sound ordinances since 1952 or something. So <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, and 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 granted, you know nobody nobody wants to be woken up at three o'clock in the morning with somebody with open exhaust going by, but there is something about a nice sounding V8 engine with low flow exhaust. With just the right amount of right amount of tone to it, that just yeah, sounds right. nice. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've my current truck. I've got a you know Flowmaster 40 yep. series two chamber. I mean, 
I've had them since I, my first truck back in the uh, 80s. Yep. Yeah. It just has to be loud, you know. But not to oh. wake up the neighbors. I'm usually a little cautious. But well, there, there you go. And you're probably, you're probably not rolling in at 3 o'clock in the morning anymore. No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, John. All right. We can do it again. All right. Take Go care. Bye bye now. Bye now. Bye. I was, I was saying, speaking of uh, uh, car shows coming up, uh, there is one at the Hebert Candy Mansion. It's going to be July 27th. And there is a dune buggy that was uh, made right here in Massachusetts. It was from Marblehead. Uh, some people call them deserters, some people call them deserters, but it was a dune buggy made in, uh, in Marblehead, Mass. And my neighbor on the Cape has one, and uh, he had the engine overhauled in it down in Florida. And uh, when he came back up here, he had a little engine problem with it, so he took the engine out and sent it back to the guy in Florida where they found a, a bearing issue with it. And uh, one day this week... I gave him a hand putting the engine back in. And it's sort of interesting that taking the engine out, putting the engine back in, I don't know, a dozen hand tools maybe? Not a lot of tools required. A little bit of muscle, a jack, and, uh, you know, Volkswagens are relatively simple to take an engine in and out of. Uh, uh, Harvey Kurtzman, who used to run uh, Kurtzman's in Quincy, um, who's, still, who's still around, uh, he, uh, he had the Guinness Book of World Records for being able to take an engine out of a Volkswagen, put an engine back in a Volkswagen. He did it on The Tonight Show back when it was Johnny Carson, and he came out, drove a car out, pulled the engine out, put it back in, drove away, um, and uh, he had he had that he had that record. And uh, but it's interesting that you can take it out. In this particular case, it was a little tight because of the the shape of this particular car. Uh, things got a little bit tight getting in and, in and out of it. But again, it was something that was uh, it was able to do with just a few just a few hand tools. And now the engine's all in. It's, it's it seems to be running great. Uh, all good for the uh, the gathering at the Volksfair. The Volksfair is uh, is a uh, Volkswagen show that uh, that happens every year, and they have. So if you're interested in Volkswagens, you're interested in dune buggies, you're interested in kit cars. This is worth going to the Volksfair show. Is Saturday, July 27th. It runs from nine to two. Uh, food, ice cream. Uh, music and more on the grounds of the of Hebert's Candy Mansion. If you uh, don't know where that is, you can you can just check their check their website out too. You can also find out more information if you go to www.the-bug-club.com and you can find out more information. as vendor space, car show registration. Um, you find out it's fifteen bucks, I think, to register a car if you're a vendor. Ten bucks to uh, to get your vendor space all set up, but it's right on uh, Hartford Turnpike in Shrewsbury. Buy some candy while you're there. Good candy, by the way. I did stop there one day on the on the ride by. Uh, but you can find out more information about the deserters. You can find out more information about Volkswagens. You can find out all kinds of interesting things to look at. I answered a question in the Boston Globe this week, which got me in a little bit of trouble. Uh, it was uh, somebody, a young dad, uh, got a uh, didn't want a minivan, didn't want uh, 
uh, SUV for his new family car, and he was considering buying a used Volkswagen microbus, and he thought that would be a good choice, and he wanted to know my opinion about buying a Volkswagen microbus and what I thought about it, and I said... And he, he remembers, and he a young guy, but he kind of remembers remembering, I guess, the car, because I don't know if he was ever in one. But it has, I think the memory of Volkswagen vans is sometimes better than the van itself. I used to work on a few of them. I almost bought a camper van. They are really fun to look at there if some of them are getting ridiculously expensive now they're they're gone way way up in price they've become very 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 collectible especially the the ones with all the windows in them uh but you can still buy some that are pretty pretty well done the problem is they're they're very underpowered uh even some of the people that have put bigger engines in them they still don't have a ton of power uh, they also are um they don't handle particularly well, and they, although there's lots and lots of room inside of them, there's no safety innovations in them. There's none of the safety things that we have always kind of looked forward to of having things like, uh, you know, airbags and anti-lock brakes and disc brakes, for that matter. So sometimes it's a matter of all of the, the different things that you look at and you go, well, these are these are all, you know, things that we have gotten used to over the time including radial tires and better handling. So uh, I remember talking to somebody who had one and they bought it and they, they really they really liked it and they really thought it was they really they really enjoyed using it as as a great all-wheel drive or great all-purpose vehicle. The problem was, as they said to me, well it doesn't have a lot of power. It's um, you know blows over in a windstorm. Uh, it doesn't stop really well, and it just became it became a vehicle that was well. It didn't didn't make them. It made them happy having it. It didn't make them as happy driving it. And although uh, a guy that I know, uh, him and his family when he was young, went cross country in a Volkswagen microbus, and he did say there was a there was a steep a steep road somewhere. They literally had to back up the road to. Uh, because it didn't have it didn't have enough power to go up this steep driveway they were on, so they had to back up this driveway to get get up to where they were going to go. So again, I think the microbus, fun vehicle, great to look at, eh, might not be the best choice. I suggested maybe going with something like a uh, European station wagon, so maybe a BMW wagon, an Audi wagon, uh, even if you don't have that kind of money, a Volkswagen Jetta or or um, Golf Sport Track or an All Track, uh, something like that might be a good choice because now you have it's something a little bit unique, a little bit different. You can maybe customize it a little bit if you want to, but you can do a few things to it, make it make it your vehicle, but still have anti-lock brakes, traction control, stability control, all-wheel drive, depending on the vehicle. Uh, it just seems to me a little bit more practical vehicle than this. Uh, this might be a better vehicle for when their kids get a little bit older. Maybe it's a vehicle they want to restore together as a family. Might might be a little bit might be a little bit better. So 
that's just just my thoughts on that. So again, got in a little bit of trouble. Uh, you want to go check out the uh, Volks Fair again? It's going to be Saturday, July twenty seventh. Uh, it's their twentieth annual all air cool Volkswagen show. And again, the deserter or deserter, depending on how you pronounce it, um, gathering at the Volks Fair is going to be July twenty seventh. There's probably going to be about fifty of those buggies there, so that's worth taking a look at. So a lot of things you can look at. You can. Uh, Check out the various pages. Uh, look around. You can, if you Google uh, D E S E R T E R Owners Group, uh, the website is actually comes up bimelliot.com. So you can take a look at that, and you can again find out more information. Cl uh, click on the site. You'll find out all there is. All the different categories are going to be there, and uh, that is Route 20 in Shrewsbury, and it's the annual Volks Fair. It's hosted by the Bug Club a uh, Volkswagen-based club out of Salem, New Hampshire. So worth taking a look at. 15 bucks to get your car in, free admission, buy some candy while you're there. But interesting, it is that time of season, that time of year where there's different car shows taking place here and there. Our phone number again, 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030 if you have a question about your car. I've gotten a few emails this week from people which I have tried to answer. Uh, one person emailed me and said uh, they had a concern about they have a Toyota Tacoma pickup truck and the factory calls for the in the owner's manual for the oil it is uh, 5w30 is the recommendation and they've been bringing the car to the dealer for three years now because it was under warranty and they got free oil changes while it was under warranty I guess was part of the sales package and he noticed finally when he was looking at his receipts they've been putting 5w20 weight oil in the car the entire time and he said should I be concerned about it well the manufacturer recommends not requires but recommends 5w30 so that's kind of what they want you to use now, is 5W20 going to make a difference, especially living in New England? Probably not. If you lived in Arizona, Central Florida, where it's hot all the time, and the higher number, the, uh, the low number gives you the cooler weather viscosity, how that oil flows in colder weather, the higher number tells you how it resists heat in hot weather. So the difference is one is the 5w20 is probably fine to 90 degrees the 5w30 is a little bit better little less breakdown back when i first started in the repair business it was um single weight oils actually people would come in and say i want 20 weight or i want 30 weight they put 30 weight in the summertime and 20 weight in the wintertime because in the summertime when it was hot it burned less oil you didn't go through as much oil then multi-viscosity oils came out and you know 1030 was the oil you put in almost everything and then you put 2050 in a lot of things 2050 was my oil of choice for my cars because they were always a little bit older um, never had an oil consumption problem yeah 2050 a little bit harder to start in cold weather sometimes um, but I never had any startup lubrication problems now Toyota recommends 10w uh, 5w30 that's what they want in the car and this person got 5w20 is it going to make a difference probably not um, but it's what Toyota recommends. The dealer didn't 
abide by the recommendation. Interesting, and probably one of the real reasons was that in the newer model Toyotas, go up a couple more years, 520 is what they recommend. So they're putting 520 in. They probably buy 520 by the uh, tanker truck full. And that's what they're putting in most of the cars. So, again, probably easier startup lubrication, uh, maybe even a smidge better gas mileage because the oil's a tiny bit thinner than the 5W30 that's in there that should be in there. Is it going to harm the engine? Probably not. Although, I might call Toyota up and go, hey, look, you know, this is what your dealer did. How about giving me an extended warranty on the car now that my engine's out of warranty? that at least I know that if something, if there was some wear and tear due to this thinner oil, that I'll be protected to pick a number, 100,000 miles, 150,000 miles, something like that. So, uh, and, and write it specifically that, it will, that the warranty is on the engine only uh, for oil consumption or engine wear problems, not oil leaks and things like that. So, um, and, and maybe that would be a, a nice thing. And I think realistically, they're never going to have a problem. But if it makes them feel better about it, probably worth something to look at. Um, uh, someone else wrote to me uh, and said uh, they wanted to know they had their oil change. Again, another Toyota, 2014 Camry. And they were wondering a few things. What would happen if I just had the oil itself changed and not the filter? Does it keep the timing chain lasting longer? And what would happen if I put conventional oil in, instead instead of the required synthetic? Well, if synthetic's required, you have to use it. That word required, not recommended, is the magic word because like, well, for instance, the Volkswagen is in our family. It's required to use synthetic oil because they had some problems because of long oil change intervals that the engines would actually get sludgy so the synthetic oil avoided that so could you use conventional or not synthetic oil if you change it more often you probably could but if you're sticking with the oil change intervals then you're probably fine the other thing is you're probably going with the recommended oil change intervals, which is not that, you know, which in some cases can be spread over 10,000 miles. So even as cheap as I am, synthetic oil is worth the money. Even as cheap as I am, change the oil filter. The oil filter makes sense to change it every oil change because it's the contaminants in the engine that cause the problems. So change the oil filter when you change the oil. And will it make the timing chain last longer? Anytime you lubricate anything, anytime the lubrication is better, moving parts are going to last longer. So, yes. Um, he also had a follow-up message that said, um, does changing oil keep the cooling system operating longer, and do I need an oil treatment? Uh, no. Uh, oil treatments, uh, unless you have a problem with engine oil burning, um, I, I'm not a big believer in any of these additives. Uh, ex, I think it was Extend was one of them. It was, it was supposed to extend the life of engine oil. Some of them have... Um, uh, the infomercials were pretty outrageous where they would drain the oil out of an engine, have this additive in it, and they had the engine running in a block of ice. Well, what causes engines to wear out is heat. Well, they had it in a block of ice, which kept the engine cool, so it didn't overheat, 
so it didn't seize up. If you could keep your engine in a block of ice, you probably wouldn't need to put oil in it. So, a little bit of TV trickery. Uh, again, not a big believer. Yeah, if you have an oil, a car that burns oil, and you want to put, you know, STP in it or motor honey or one of those things that thickens up the oil, yeah, give it a try. If you want, if you have a car that's leaking oil and you want to put something in it's supposed to stop oil leaks, maybe it will swell the seals up enough to do something. But generally, if you have a good running engine, you don't need to put any kind of oil additives in. And, you know, his other question was, does it help the cooling system? No. But engine oil does aid in engine cooling. If you're running, if you're driving a car that runs on four and a half or five quarts or six and a half quarts of oil, it depends on how much oil goes in your engine, and it's down a couple quarts, you'll notice the engine temperature goes up. Oil adds to about 25% of engine cooling. So it's important to make sure the oil stays full, especially during some of these uh, longer oil change cycles. So even though your car might say it needs, it doesn't need to have the oil change, again, the Volkswagen we have is a good example of what I think might be a bad example sometimes, but once a year or every 10,000 miles. Toyota Corolla, same thing, once a year or every 10,000 miles. That doesn't mean the engine's not going to burn oil. It doesn't mean that the engine's not going to need oil. It doesn't going to mean you don't need to open the hood and check the oil level. You still have to do all of those things to make sure that the engine performs the way it's supposed to perform. So, um, so will it help the cooling system? No, but the cooling system, the engine temperature is a reflection of engine oil and how well it works. Honda's to recall 1.6 million vehicles to finish the Takata recalls early. Honda's recalling another 1.6 million vehicles in the U.S. to replace potentially deadly Takata airbag inflators, completing its required recall six months ahead of schedule. Uh, this was released last Friday. The recall, When the recall is done, Honda says it will have recalled or accounted for 22.6 million inflators and about 12.9 million vehicles. Um, Takata inflators can explode with too much force and blow apart the metal canister, spewing shrapnel. 24 people have been killed and hundreds injured by inflators worldwide. Honda was Takata's largest customer. The recalls include many Honda and Acura models from 2003 to 2005, all received inflators made by Takata before February 2007 uh, and were scheduled to be recalled a second time to replace those made by another company. So, yeah, they, the ones they did replace, they replaced with the same kind, but they haven't deteriorated, so they're safer, but they'll be replaced again. Affected Honda models include 2001 to 2012 Accord, 2010 to 2015 Cross Tour, 2001 to 2011 Civic, 2002 to 2011 CRV, 2011 to 2015 CRZ, 2003 to 2011 Element, 07 to 14 Fit, 10 to 14 Insight, that's the hybrid. Uh, 02 to 04 Odyssey, 03 to 15 Pilot, 06 to 014 Ridgeline. Acura models include the 2003 CL, the uh, 2013 ILX, the 2003 to 2006 MDX, the 2015 RDX, the 2005 to 2012 RL, the 2002 and 3 TL, the 9 to 14 TL, the... Uh, Just say every o- Honda prior to 2015 no 
I'm going to say every single one. And the 2010 to 2013 ZDX. Honda says its completed re- repairs are accounted for 83% of the uh, among the highest in the auto industry. Some of the inflators have been found in scrapyards or vehicles no longer in use. Um, there are 83%. It does mean there are still people out there driving around with Hondas that may not have had the airbag inflators replaced, and that is something you need to do. You really need to do that. So something so, something you should something you should do. Is that Takata company still in business? Uh they went bankrupt. Uh, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, they they couldn't afford it. So um our buddy uh uh Peter, the Edsel guy from Salem, he sent me a note and, I, and he sent me this note back all oh, 3 weeks ago now, but he said, "I want to share some news with you that my 1959 Edsel Ranger is sold. It's going to be at the Row Hotel at Assembly Row in Somerville." They want to put it on display and use it for weddings and VIPs. Uh, they are thrilled to inform the public about the history of the Ford Assembly Plant, Somerville, from 1928 to 1958. And he also says, thanks for the, your your help and the on-air promotion. I'm still the president of New England Chapter of Edsel Club with New York and New Jersey and some around the USA. Your friend in Edseling, Peter. So that's kind of a nice story where that ended up at a hotel where it's going to be put on display. It's going to have a little bit of history that goes with it. So um, kind of, it's kind of, back to kind where of, it started from. It's Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it came full circle, as they say. Hey, I want to talk about the car that got me around a week or so ago, and that's the Toyota Prius. It's uh, one of my favorite hybrids. Uh, certainly, it's one of the ones that's been around just about the longest. But one area that could be a challenge is winter driving, and Toyota took care of that issue by adding all-wheel drive to the Prius. The new Prius all-wheel drive e-system will deliver uh, added traction confidence for drivers. Um, But it's also one of the most fuel-efficient all-wheel drive equipped passenger vehicles Available in the U.S., Toyota's all-wheel drive e-system is ideal for the Prius. The It's automatic on-demand system. It doesn't require a center differential or other torque apportioning devices, nor does it need a front-to-rear drive shaft. Instead, it uses the all-wheel drive E stands for electric. The Prius all-wheel drive E uses an independent electric magnetic-less rear motor, a first for Toyota, to power the rear wheels from 0 to 6 miles an hour and would need it up to 43 miles an hour. You don't need all-wheel drive at 60 miles an hour on the highway because you don't need all-wheel drive at 60 miles an hour on the highway, but you might need it at a little bit higher speeds. The system provides the power to the rear wheels to confidently pull away from a stop. I saw a display of this car. It was uh, it was um, Toyota dealers were invited to go test drive these, and they took them literally to a sand pit. Those are cars you don't want to buy afterwards, by the way, because they beat the daylights out of these things. And it was amazing how well the, the all-wheel drive system worked, the electric all-wheel drive system works. So uh, it's an on-demand system. It recognizes when all-wheel drive performance is not needed and to or needed to provide better fuel economy. The electric power is provided by a nickel metal hydride battery in the all-wheel drive version since the nickel batteries are inherently resilient to extreme temperature change. All front-wheel drive Priuses will use the lithium-ion battery. So that's something I didn't really know that the the nickel 
metal hydride batteries are better in extreme cold temperatures so maybe they work a little bit better last a little bit longer things like that all the two, 2019 Prius models including the Prius all-wheel drive E come standard with Toyota safety sense uh, using a millimeter wave radar and a uh, single camera sensor to help detect pedestrians, a vehicle lane markers, headlights, and surrounding areas. It provides a comprehensive bundle of active safety features. So it's got all the things that people want in safety features. It's kind of funny when I bought our newest car, and again, it was a bargain car. I didn't want any of these features because, uh, and most people I know, they'll say, well, whenever you buy a car, you should buy all of them. Uh, this wasn't in my budget. So anyway. Um, dynamic radar cruise control Dennis loves his dynamic radar cruise control and his lane departure warning and his steering assist it's amazing it's amazing it's amazing it's not in a Prius but it's in a it's in a, a Nissan Rogue but he he loves his uh, pilot pro system uh, because all will drive uh, because all Prius models under circum certain circumstances can operate in battery mode alone uh, during which they make little or no noise um, they have this proximity. So in other words, if a pedestrian walks by, it makes a noise so people can hear it. Uh, during the time with the Prius I was driving, I was seeing 61 miles to the gallon. Better than what the EPA says. 53 in the city, 58 in the highway. Um, I was just going by what the onboard computer system said. And it was, it was solid at 60, 61, 62 all the time. So... Uh, fuel economy was amazing uh and pretty decent range too because it doesn't have a big gas tank because it gets such good fuel economy but still it was kind of it was kind of nice filling up and not spending 40 or 50 dollars uh last week i drove uh the the range rover special vehicle edition not the most economical vehicle in the world about 14 miles per gallon and a big gas tank it was expensive to fill back up when i gave it back the uh, all-wheel drive models uh, offer pretty good cargo space too about 62 and a half cubic feet of cargo space uh, it has a 60 40 uh, split uh, fold-down seat that's still more than some small suvs and certainly larger than most um, sedans so prius the prius e or all-wheel drive e if you've always said, you know, I want a Prius for the gas mileage. I've always wanted a Prius because it's environmentally friendly. Uh, I've always wanted a Prius because it saves me. It saves it's it saves me green. So whether that green is money or saves the environment. Uh, but you've always said, you know, I live here in New England. It snows. I want something that's going to do okay. And I've driven a front-wheel drive Prius in the snow, and they're like every other front-wheel drive Prius. But put uh, put uh, all-wheel drive in this. Again, zero to six miles an hour, all-wheel drive. Zero to 42-ish, 43 miles an hour uh, when needed. Seems like it should get through winter with very little problems. So, um, kind of a, kind of a nice choice for people. So, certainly something you wanna you wanna look at. So, I mentioned this earlier. There's a fresh rumor that claims. Uh, Chevrolet will pull the plug on the Camaro after the 2023 year, meaning there won't be a uh, seventh generation uh, Camaro to uh, kind of carry on the legacy. But there is some kind of rumor mill, and again, the rumor mill is that um, the Camaro won't move on to the uh, this 
platform that the Cadillac CT4 and CT5 is, but I've also heard, kind of in the same rumor mill, that the Camaro may go electric. So be kind of interesting to see what's going to happen if it, um, you know, as the Corvette goes to its new mid-engine configuration and with no Camaro in the showroom, what's that's a huge gap in the lineup. Be interesting to see what's going to happen. But I have a feeling that uh, the, the Camaro may end up coming back. So it'll take a little time off and it'll come back as an electric Camaro. And by then, you know, maybe... It'll be kind of a kind of a different kind of muscle car, and I think even at my age and uh, and uh, you know uh, as we heard earlier, nothing like a V8 engine with a little bit of a loud exhaust. An electric muscle car? Well, it's about performance. I was watching something on TV last night about uh, it was a it was a, a race, and it was between a, a Lamborghini. A diesel pickup truck, an electric car, and a Mazda with a rotary engine. And the uh, the electric car was insanely fast. And uh, what happened was the electric car hit the rotary car, and everything went bad. And it appeared as if the uh, Dodge diesel pickup truck beat out the Lamborghini. But the Lamborghini started off slow, so... I think that was some of it. One of the comments I read about the uh, Camaro going away, it says, I don't claim to know more than the inner workings of GM, but from an outsider view, this is such a typical GM move. Now that they have the design of the Camaro sorted out, they make a couple more improvements and pull the plug. Off the top of my head, here's a few other GM cars that ended right when they finally got them right. The uh, Grand National, the Regal Grand National, the 94 to 96 Impala SS. The 87 and 88 Fiero. Yeah, the first few Fieros that didn't have enough oil in them and you took a corner and the engine seized up. Those weren't good. Uh, the current generation Impala and the entire Pontiac division. Yeah, uh, people could have those opinions on that. I do Why not we disagree take... with that. Huh? I do not disagree with that statement. You do you mean just when they get them right, they discontinue them? Yeah, that's my big thing with GM is that they put out these first generations that be okay and then all of a sudden they get the rattles and the shakes and all that mm -hmm. and then so they work on it work on it work on it they finally get it right and it's a really good vehicle and people fall in love and that's what the thing with gm people start falling in love with the really good part good ones and then those really good ones start to go away they just go away and they start all over again yeah and it, i can even go back i can add a couple more the buick riata which was a two-seater buick uh which was the first may have been the first car ever they have a digital display, and it was actually a CRT, so a you know old-fashioned TV tube display. Can't imagine that worked out very well. But um, it had a 3.8-liter V6, the bulletproof little 3.8-liter V6 in it. Um, it came out as a convertible. The convertible was really nice, and they discontinued it. Um, the Cadillac Alante, which you love or hate, that was a car that was made here, shipped to Europe, to Italy, then shipped back. So the thing had, you know, 10,000 miles on it, air miles on it before before you got it. Um, in the last generation with the North Star V8 in it, that was a really nice car. And a car that still, I think, still appearance-wise, 
um, has that kind of classic design that can stay current. And you don't see them much anymore. But I think they did a they did a really nice job with them. Uh, something like the Cadillac. Um, I can't even think what it was called. XLR maybe it was a uh, it was a Cadillac that was built on a Corvette drivetrain. Very angular looking, horrible car. And you know that was one that they had for a couple of years. They tried it didn't work. Uh, but if they softened up that car and did something other than as good as the Corvette drivetrain is, maybe made it a little bit special. Because okay, I'm going to buy a Cadillac. I'm going to buy a Corvette. Uh, I'll buy the Corvette. But uh, my favorite, my, one of my favorite GMs was the Cutlass. They had that down near perfect near the end of the 70s, and then they, because of all the regulation changes, but they changed that body style, and it stunk ever after that. <laughs> I thought I thought your favorite GM car was a 1983 Corvette. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that was... Uh, so John and I were talking about... Um, History Channel had the car week this week. And 1983 Corvette does not exist. I did not know that until this week. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was always a that was always a joke with the... Uh, with the, there was, There's always books, the history of the Corvette. And you're like, oh, I was going to buy that book, but it, for some reason it didn't have the 83 in it, so I'm not going to buy it. Well, it didn't have the 83 in it because it didn't exist, so... Yeah, that that was that was kind of interesting. The other thing, and I don't know if any listeners saw it, and I didn't stay up late enough to watch it, but Ernie Bach was on one of the TV stations last night, four, five, seven. I don't remember which one, and uh, showing his new Batmobile off. And I saw some of the video on Facebook and other places, and this is a this is a pretty. It took three years to build this car. It's a whole tube frame car. It uses a, a GM LS3 engine in it. It's pretty fast. Uh, it has the uh, it has the flamethrower in the back that looks like a jet engine. Uh, it has uh, all the it has the bat phone. It has all the all the novelty stuff from uh, from the from the uh, TV show. But he decided to uh, to buy a Batmobile, and he did, and apparently. It's uh, one of the most popular cars that he has. And I never knew that he was such a car guy. But uh, he he has quite the car collection. And I, he in, he, I know he invested in some cars to invest in them. And I know he had some cars from his father, uh, you know, some of the one of the first Ramblers and all that kind of stuff that his father sold. So had some had some interesting cars we need to take a quick break we'll be back in about two minutes you're listening to the car doctor program if you would like to join us our phone number is 617-770-3030 we'll be right back Welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950, and that is the Sonomatics with Craig Fitzgerald. Um, you can uh, you can find uh, Craig's stuff. Uh, go to uh, bestride.com, and uh, you also find a Do It Yourself with the Car Doctor uh, column in there, where I kind of used a question from one of our listeners before in there too. So uh, 
But yeah, it's uh, bestride.com. It's a car sales site, but they also has, and he has a he has a somewhat twisted sense of humor. So uh, check out his stuff, and you know anybody who plays uh, uh, rockabilly and and surf rock music, I think has to be a little bit twisted anyway. But he's a he's a real good guy and a pretty good guitar player. Even he's even though he says he's a lousy guitar player. Um, let's take some calls here. Let's start with Michelle. Michelle, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. What can we do for you? Uh, I am having a problem with my 2012 Hyundai Santa Fe. All right. Um, just kind of out of the blue yesterday, I was driving home from commuting to work, and the I think it's the anti-skid okay. light came on, as well as the one that looks like a car going down a hill. All right. And so I went to, you know, I drove home. I went to pull into my driveway and put my car in park. I couldn't get my car out of neutral. And hmm. I was told at the same time my brake lights went out. Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if it's maybe a fuse or what. I was able to override the shift and get the car into park, but now I don't know what to do. Well, um, I would, I would. I think what happened is I think your I I think your diagnostic skills are right on. I think that perhaps uh, there is either a bad brake light switch, maybe a fuse that's that could have gone bad. If your brake lights aren't working, your car's not going to know when you step on the brake. So that's going to give you problems shifting in and out of park to drive and drive to park and so forth. The um, traction control stability control light and all the other lights that come on are not going to work properly if the brake system's not working right and it could be all tied into one electrical issue that's affecting everything so that's certainly that's certainly a good possibility that it's all tied into that these systems will also generate a variety of different codes and 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 uh so it's something they can they can certainly look at. So you said what were the lights that were on? The one that looks like you're going downhill, which is which is a um, which is exactly what it sounds like. It helps keep the car under control when you're going downhill. What was the other light that came on? The one almost like with the skid marks. It's yellow. Oh, it's okay. So the car with like skid yeah. marks in front of it. Okay, so the traction control light. Yeah, and yeah. the tr- the traction control light again. The way traction control works is it it works as part of the brake system. So when one wheel starts to spin, the brakes will apply on the other wheel to make the other wheel work. So that's how you get it. So it's all tied back into the brake system. So at this point, I would probably just get the car towed to, do you go to the dealer, an independent shop? Where do you go for service? Um, An independent shop. Yeah. And they 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 can do some testing with a scan tool, find out what it is, but it may be as simple as just an electrical issue and it could be just as weird as a fuse popped but if a fuse went bad it's usually for some other reason so there needs to be a little bit of a little bit more work in there but um, there is a traction control module which is part of the stability control system but where you said you were having trouble getting it back into park and mm-hmm. where someone said the brake lights aren't working that to me says they're all tied in together and that's that's kind of where I'd start to look. Okay. Okay. 
But right, I think, but I think, just out of convenience, though, I'd maybe consider having it towed so you don't have to, so you don't have to deal with any other issues. So unless, unless you just feel real comfortable doing it, but I think I would want to uh, maybe just get it towed to, you know, just eliminate any other problems. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you. All right. Good luck. Bye bye. Bye. All right. Our phone number six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Let's talk to Tom. Good morning, Tom. Yeah. Good morning, John. It How is are you? A good morning. It's beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Very good. Can't good. complain at all. <laughs> good. That's beautiful. You know, this is a message to your friend Peter. Now, because I've heard him call and he has this, yep. that that's all. Is it a pink one, John? Uh yes, yes. Okay. Now he sold it. Peter. I don't know if you heard. You, yes. He sold it to the. This is a message for Peter. Okay. Yes, I did hear that. Yeah. Now, I saw his car last night on the news, so he might oh. want to look into this. It was on Channel Five. And it was, I, I wasn't paying attention to what they were doing, but I noticed the car. And I have a luckily rewind. And it was uh, Doug Mann on Channel 5. They had the car parked in front of, must be the hotel you were talking yep. about. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Doug Mann used it as a prop. So when they started the segment, Doug Mann's getting out of his car, and he's in front of it. So I'm just, so if he, Peter wants to see his car on TV, if he can search <laughs> and find the uh Channel 5 News segment, you can see his car is already famous. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I think it was, I think it was fairly famous before, but I think, yeah, I think that's it. And, oh, yeah. And, and like like Dennis said, you know, it's, uh, you know, the, his car sort of ended up where it started. So, you know, kind of back at the Ford assembly plant. So that's kind of it's yeah. yeah. So it's there, and yeah. so he may be seeing it more on the news. So, you know, the only problem with that is he'll, he'll, every time he sees it, he'll probably go, yeah, maybe I should have yeah. kept it. Yeah, <laughs> you know you're right. Out of sight, out of mind, and then yeah. right. It's like you sold your car, and then one day you see somebody driving yeah. it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or, or else you see somebody driving it and it broke down by the side of the road. And you go, whew, God, I don't have that anymore. Yeah, yeah. There so, you go. Right. Yeah, either way, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but but you know, if a hotel if a hotel buys it, you know they get plenty of money. So. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. it looked really nice. That's a nice yeah. looking I, car and everything I, like that. Yeah. You you should have bought it, John. <laughs> uh, if I had some place to park it, you know, maybe I would have. I agree. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. right. Take care, Tom. Bye bye. Yeah. Thanks. Bye bye. 617 770 3030. 617 770 3030. Let's talk to Jim. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Just a question on timing belts. I have a 2010 CRV. When should they be changed or should they be changed? Uh, Well, uh, generally, I think. The two, you said it's a 2010? That's correct. And I think that yeah. 2010 is a timing chain. But okay. let me look. Let me look. Let's see. Let's see what it says here. And, but I'm pretty sure that that's a timing chain. And if not, uh, Honda's pretty liberal with it. And it is a, um, it, generally it's way up around, a, 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 I don't know, 100,000 100, or more than that, I guess. But in this particular case, um, that is a timing change, so it's nothing you ever have to worry about. Sounds good. Yeah, so uh, that again, as long as you keep the oil changed regularly, um, yep. as far as I know, I haven't heard of any real problems with, um, with um, timing chain issues on that. That engine, though, uh, did have did have a little bit of a problem with um, with 
uh, oil consumption. I don't know if you have any oil oil burning or anything with with yours. No, no, no? everything's okay. fine. But yeah, because yeah, yeah because there was. Um, well, this is uh, it's probably just about out of warranty now, but they actually warranted they extended the warranty on that engine up to one hundred and twenty five thousand miles. Uh, or wow. or yeah, you're just about out. You're just about out of time now. You could go a little bit longer, but that was because uh, some of the engines actually had a problem with uh, with uh, um, the rings didn't seat right for whatever reason, and they had some uh, the rings would stick. And they they do recommend that you use uh, uh, what's called top tier gasoline. So gasoline like Mobile Shell. Uh, I don't know the the Sitco stuff like that. That's a little bit higher higher grade of gasoline has more cleaners in it. But since you're not having any problem, don't worry about it. Sounds good. Maybe all right. Thank all you. right. Thank Take you. care. Yep. Bye bye. See you, Jim. There was a an article that I I picked up uh, to look at. It's called uh, New Tucker Talk uh, to examine the Tucker business model and why the Feds went after Preston Tucker. Um, years back, I always said it's. Uh, it is a uh, we'll look back at the electric car industry and this was uh, probably 15 years ago when Tesla first started to come out with cars and Fisker started to come out with cars and I kind of said um, yeah you know will you know what will we think of these cars in the future and I kind of said I think we'll look at them as like Tucker will be you know there's a guy who made a few cars made some money and had a good time and the cars faded away well, Fisker, I guess, is coming back again, but uh, they went bankrupt, and uh, and but Tesla, on the other hand, is still is still building cars. Although he says once electric cars are well adapted across the country, he's going to stop making them, or something. He maybe he's going to stop making them and sell them. But it's been 70 years since Preston Tucker, and if you don't know what a Tucker is, it it was unique because it was a rear engine car, four door car, air cooled engine. With three headlights in the front, it had things like uh, self-jacking systems. It was a pretty unique car, but um, it's been 70 years, uh, and the car was called Revolutionary at the time. It was called the Tucker 48 sedan, uh, and it's kind of interesting. And on uh, really what happened was, you know, the truth isn't quite as simple. It says here, in 1946, Tucker signed a lease on the Dodge Chicago aircraft engine plant and was forced to raise $15 million capital in just eight months before the uh, War Assets Administration let him take occupancy. To complicate things, Lustron Corporation also laid, uh, laid claim to the plant, leading to a protracted legal battle to further stretch resources. Uh, it would be September 47, 14 months after the lease for the property uh, was signed before Tucker Corporation moved into the Chicago assembly plant. Even after taking occupancy in the plant in 47, the challenges faced by Tucker Corporation were far from over, unable to produce a suitable engine in-house. Instead, uh, Tucker opted to buy air-cooled motors uh, to ensure a steady supply of drivetrain for his automobiles, even though these Franklin helicopter engines required a bit of a redesign, the Tucker engineer Ben Parsons was charged with converting these from air-cooled to liquid-cooled. So it was an air-cooled engine that they converted to liquid-cooled. Knowing that a steady supply of steel would be necessary to produce automobiles in the volume he envisioned, Preston Tucker attempted to produce, purchase a steel mill, two of them actually, 
as well without success depending on perspective this was either a financial decision from waa or early stages of government-backed conspiracy against the automaker i don't know about that his trouble with securities and exchange commission began uh before the tucker 48 went into production so again it all comes down to money to raise badly needed capital tucker began selling accessories such as car radios to consumers who would also receive a guaranteed spot on the dealer's waiting list uh for a tucker 48 sounds a little tesla like uh where you could with the model three you gave them money and they gave you a gave you a number and told you what number you're going to have the corporation sold uh, shares of stock and dealership franchises well Tesla is not selling franchises, but they are trying to sell stock. Um, the Tucker 48 didn't exist in production form, and they were already selling stock. Internal strife added uh, fuel to the fire when Tucker Corporation Chairman um, Harry Tomlin Jr. was forced out of the company in 47. He penned a letter to the SEC questioning the way Tucker used funds to acquire through the sale of the Tucker Corporation stock. Uh, it also didn't help matters that he also questioned the viability of the Tucker 48, stating the prototype doesn't actually run. It just goes goose-geese. I don't know what that means. When the radio personality Drew Pearson advised his listeners the Tucker 48 uh, prototype demonstrated could not even back up, the public and potential Tucker dealers began to question the viability of the Tucker Corporation. As the lawsuits piled up, the value of Tucker Corporation stock crashed, falling from a high of $5 a share to a low of 2 forced to defend himself. He went on and on. Um, but it's, it's, it's an interesting story about Tucker, and uh, I think the movie about Tucker doesn't actually kind of play out what everybody thought. The movie, I think, was a little, little bit better than maybe what the real life was, which is always the case in movies. Um, according to the folks at IC Cars... You want to go out and buy a car with uh, that could be a great deal? If you look at depreciation, Lincoln Navigator. The average price of a Lincoln Navigator is $37,900. It depreciated 51.5% in three years. Uh, another big SUV, if you want a big SUV, Infiniti QX80. The average price is about $38,000. It depreciated 49%. Lincoln MKT. A little bit cheaper car, 28000 almost 50% depreciation. Uh, Buick Enclave, you can buy a Buick Enclave for $26,000, uh, 47.8% depreciation. Volkswagen Tiguan, which is actually a pretty good car, 47.7% uh, depreciation. Hey, I understand Paul Sullivan's not in the studio today, and our buddy Bobby Brooks must have got the call at Three o'clock in the morning to fill in. At six fifteen, my Paul Sullivan alarm went off. When your Paul Sullivan alarm goes off, does it play Irish music? <laughs> no, but I. Kidding aside, I do have a special Paul Sullivan uh, a text tone that when it comes in, I know it's him. Yeah, well, and I uh, jump, well, and I jump out of bed, make my coffee, and uh, put my playlist together, and get in studio. There, there you go, and uh, and so what do you got? What do you got lined up for today? Uh, all good stuff. Beautiful day out there today, Paul. Looking forward to it. And um, you know, um, I I had a triple quake. Uh, I I found out something about AAA uh, two weeks ago that I did not know. Uh, what the A's stand for? Nope. 
Okay. Um, I have Triple A Plus, which I highly recommend because it gives you that hundred miles of free right. towing and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I painfully found out that after four tows, you have to pay for the next one if your year subscription isn't up. Well, that that is true. Uh, it is. We we decided to match everybody else around the country because all the other AAA clubs across across the country do the same thing. So we did. We decided to go the same same route. But it is a special. We won't leave you, and it is a discounted rate. It is. And uh, and if you're. Uh, you know, if you do four toes and you get a flat tire, we'll still come out and change your flat tire. We'll still come out and do your jump start. We'll still do all that stuff. But if the car needs to be towed, yeah, there, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a, it kind of reverts to a basic. Yeah, race. I was so, a little surprised. So my question is, Bobby, why did you need more than four toes in any given year? Because, what do you do to your car? Because I have a crappy 2004 <laughs> Kia. That's why. <laughs> well, um, and even at that, I will say that we that is. Um, if somebody has a run of bad luck, our, our, our supervisors will kind of look at that and go, you know what, you've been having kind of a run of bad luck. Why don't we take care of it? But go please get your car fixed so we don't have to tow it again. No, so, I, I would still recommend yeah. it, but I, yeah. I did not know that. That was yeah. in the small print yeah. I didn't read. So here we well, go. There you go. Well, you know, you could have done 400 miles worth of towing, you know, 400-mile tows, and it cost us like Six hundred dollars. So that's true. you know, that's, true. that's why. So anyway, hey, the very best in Irish music with Bobby Brooks B three coming uh, filling in for our buddy Paul Sullivan, uh, Professor Paul Sullivan. The Irish Hit Parade, the very best in Irish music, heard right here every Saturday, and the Feast of Irish Music on Sunday. Very best in Irish music. Listen to it here on AM nine fifty WROL, the Spirit of Boston. Till next week, wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car. Talk to you all next week. Bye bye. It's good to see you, so good to see you Oh, how I missed you since I've been gone